Now then, the uh, the last time that my first guest was on the show, we had such a wonderful time talking about sex and the embarrassing questions we're all too afraid to ask that I made him promise that he would come back and do it again. Now, good as his word, uh, Dr. Sivayule Madikana joins me on the line now. Uh, and this time to talk about the top 10 most embarrassing illnesses. So if your halitosis is hellish and your piles are problematic, stay tuned. Uh, Dr. Sivu is on hand to help you out. Uh, He's not only one of GQ's best-dressed men of 2016, he's uh, also the South African Medical Association's Junior Doctor of the Year and uh, Brothers for Life Ambassador. And uh, I'm just going to see if we've we've managed to get him on the line now. It really is a a treat to to have you with us, uh, Dr. Sivu. Welcome back. Hey, Sarajan, how are you doing? I am good. I'm all the better for hearing your dulcet tones, my love. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's lovely to be back, though. Good stuff, good say. stuff. Uh, now, before I start, I should say that we are calling this segment the top 10 most embarrassing illnesses. Um, but mm. while we're calling it that, you and your colleagues in the medical profession, of course, don't get embarrassed or grossed out by any of this stuff that we're about to talk about, do you? No, not at all. I think it's all of the, the, the patients that get embarrassed. It's, it's more of a personal thing than anything else for the people that we see. So, uh, so while while we as patients may feel embarrassed, uh, Doctor Zavu is not embarrassed, guys, at all. So, if you do want to uh, text us in with anything that you uh, you want to add to our list of the top ten most embarrassing illnesses, uh, then then p- please feel free to uh, to do so. Okay, first up, let's dive straight in with anal warts, please, Doctor Zavu, if you don't mind. Uh, how do you know you've got them? Are they contagious? And uh, more importantly, how do you get rid of them? Uh, so anal warts really, um, you know, are, are caused by well, what we call a non-carcinogenic um, HPV, which is human papillomavirus, and and so a person will see around their anus that they've got these um, these growths. But the thing is with them is that they're not painful, um, and not necessarily um, do they bleed. Also, so it's only like really they diagnosed by by visualization. So sometimes they they start becoming a bit smelly. Um, and um, yeah, so, so so basically, how we treat them though, the, the most important part is the fact that um, initially you can use some topical creams um, that you can get from the pharmacy, even your doctor. And then, but also if they're resistant to that, um, then there's like the more extreme measures, which is um, more surgical kind of situations, which is um, cauterization. So they kind of like burn them off or they cut them off. But most cases though, inner warts will resolve in about a year or so. And then if they don't, then you need to go see a doctor. Okay, so, uh, but, but, but contagious? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Are, are they contagious? Well, the thing is, that they, they really just passed on from one person to the other, and this is through um, um, sexual intercourse. So it's not like you'll get them if you touch a person. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's through sexual intercourse that... They'll pass them from one individual to the other. Okay, good stuff. All right, we've started with anal warts. Um, it can only go uphill from here. Let's uh, let's travel. <laughs> <laughs> let's travel up the body. Uh, next on the list, and I spoke spoke about it uh, in my introduction. There, bad breath, or to give it its correct name, halitosis, I believe. Yeah, halitosis, guys. It's, so, so it's one of those embarrassing things in the sense that for the patient itself, um, if you're talking to someone and you have bad breath, you know. Like, you can't miss that. So it's more embarrassing for the patient more than anything else. Uh, so with halitosis, there's a lot of reasons why people get halitosis. So it could be like medical conditions such as diabetes, liver disease, um, 
sometimes it's also like when a person has very dry, like a very dry mouth. So if there's not enough saliva being produced. And also people that have, I suppose people that smoke a lot. Um, so smoking also causes such as things like staining and also like bad breath too. Oh, she says, hiding her cigarettes yeah. under the table. Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, right, okay. So, but how do we know? I mean, and the other thing with halitosis is this, I would imagine. <laughs> um Somebody has to point it out to you. I guess. Well, not always, but I mean, I guess in some cases, um, the embarrassment is that perhaps somebody has pointed it out to you that you have it rather than uh, you've sort of woken up one morning and looked in the mirror and gone, oh, I've got some halitosis. I better pop to the, uh, to the dentist. Yeah, no, look, I suppose, for example, a person like will know if they've got bad breath also, uh, but it's, it's, it's after you've done all the things that you can do, such as cleaning your teeth and flossing, but, you know, this bad breath does not go away. Then you know that you've got, like, a problem, like halitosis. Um, so a, a, a lot of people are advised to, um, you know, use hygienic measures such as brushing your teeth and flossing because a lot of people necessarily don't floss. Like, they think brushing your teeth is enough, but the problem comes in, especially if you've got um, a plaque building up in your teeth, that causes the halitosis also. Mm, interesting. Can diets affect your your breath? So, and I, the, the reason that I mention this, uh, Doctor Sivu, is because I remember in the uh, <laughs> in the early two thousands and uh, Atkins, the Atkins diet was a craze. Yeah, I was going to talk about the Atkins mm, diet. Right the now, Atkins yeah. diet. <laughs> yeah, we we are of the same mind. The Atkins diet was doing the rounds, and I was at university, and uh, everybody yeah. in my halls of residence, all the all the all the girls certainly decided that we were going to embark <laughs> on uh, embark on Atkins. What I will say is that it was a tough, tough time for a few months there, breath wise and flatulence wise. And don't worry, folks, <laughs> flatulence is on the list. Do carry on, my dear. <laughs> No, I can imagine. So, like, also things like garlic. So, so foods like garlic, if you eat that, it's going to cause that bread breath. But also, um, so, so the things with certain diets is that um, they, they they kind of force people to eat a, a certain amount of food and certain groups of foods. For example, mm-hmm. there are diets that cause people not to eat any carbohydrates. You just ate fatty foods only. And I ate I ate nothing fat. but bacon for about, <laughs> for about three months. Exactly. So, mm. so, so your your body is not made to digest just you know meat and fatty foods only. Your body also needs a carbohydrates, and carbohydrates are not complex as well. So you know eating starch such as rice and also carbohydrates such as bananas, etc. That. Yeah, so we're going to talk more about this in terms of like flatulence also. Mm, mm. Okay, well, as you said, we're literally going from top to bottom tonight, back to bottom. <laughs> uh, let's talk about excessive flatulence. Yeah, so so actually I tried I, I tried reading up on like embarrassing illnesses as well, um, in the sense that, um, did you know that, you know, normal individuals can have flatulence about 10 times a day? Well, you, so you, know you've got a you say normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, you've got a problem with more than ten. Really? Yeah. If you're passing gas more than ten, then you have to look at your diet. Eek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. What are the? What are the? Is it? Is it just down to diet? No. So it's not just down to diet alone. For example, things like um, swallowing a lot of air. This might sound a bit funny though, but swallowing a lot of air in the sense that. A person uses a lot of chewing gum. So when you're chewing gum in itself, you're not swallowing anything except for air into your stomach. Um, and also smoking causes that too because you 
you, you're just puffing away. So you're just swallowing more and more air um, and also carbonated drinks. So your Cokes and your, you know, all those fizzy drinks that are really not good for a person. Um, so those are also some of the causes for flatulence. I would just like to say for the record... I heard you gasped there. <laughs> yeah, that, I, yeah, that I, I'm now... This this smoking, I mean, obviously, the obvious health risks are attached to smoking. Mm-hmm. I should have stopped smoking a long time ago. But, but the fact that I'm possibly wandering around with absolutely dreadful dragon breath, um, and I think I'm probably farting more than 10 times a day. Can I say that on air? I've said it. I've said it. It's happened. I'm getting the thumbs up from Taryn. Um, and I do like a carbonated drink. Oh, there's it's no it's no uh, bad, bad combination. Yeah, yeah, a really a really bad combination. What can we do about flatulence then? Just just change our change our diets. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. For example, like changing your diet in the sense that there's certain um, as I was saying complex carbohydrates that that can cause it. Uh, for example, people that eat a lot of prunes, beans, broccoli. Um, so it, it's better to eat um, less complex carbohydrates if you're suffering from flatulence. So keep it to your rice, your bananas, um, and also like avoid lentils and stuff. But don't cut them out completely because then we go back no. to problem number two and we have the deadful breath. breath. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're moving from one carbohydrate to a less complex carbohydrate. So you're not cutting out carbohydrates completely. Mm. Yeah, okay. so that's... I just have to keep that in mind. Okay, fair enough. Uh, sticking with the lower region then, the next on the list is piles. Uh, what what are piles uh, and, and how do we get them? A, a gross question, what do they look like? And uh, what's the yeah, cure? Go on. So, so I was going to say, first things first, we need to rule out what a lot of people get told, which is a myth, that you get piles from sitting on cold concrete. Yes, told that as yeah, a child. That, that does not happen. Oh, Okay. At all. I think it was just parents telling us that um, you're going to get houses. Yeah, to just to make sure that you don't sit on the ground. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they're they not caused by that. Okay. So, so piles really in the sense um, that they usually occur around the anal region, so they call them hemorrhoids. Ah, and okay. around the anal region, or the rectum rather, yeah. you've got... Um, What's the difference between the anal region and the rectum? Well, look, the anal region is more like outside towards the end and the rectum is... Inside. Just before the anus, yeah. Okay, good. So, so you, you get things that we call we'll get internal piles and external piles because you've got um, hemorrhoidal veins um, around those regions. So what happens is that they can get um, inflamed and and they, they become big and that's how piles come along. And then that area, so your anus becomes huge or rather it soils up. Okay. That's the more correct word. So how a person knows that they've got piles is that usually they will bleed when they they have bowel movements okay. and also they've got pain. And then there's also um, itching in, in, in the anal area. Okay, okay. Um, and at that point, presumably, you go to the doctor immediately. Do you? Or, or do you? Or do, because I'm actually now thinking, I was in the chemist the other day and I think I saw Preparation mm. H, which, do you need a prescription for that? No, no, so, so there's certain medication that you can get over the counter. So there's certain stuff that you can use, like some anal suppositories, just to take the pain away. But you need to go to the doctor if you see that you're bleeding. So that's mm. because the, the problem with that is the fact that um, you, you as a person at home, you're not too sure why you're bleeding because, um, like, you could be having an anal carcinoma, which is 
anal cancer or you could be having um, anal polyps or colon polyps mm. and those cause bleeding as well. So it's important just to go to the doctor and be like, okay, this is what's happening. I think I've got piles that can examine you and then rule out everything else. Okay, fantastic stuff. Uh, let's, yeah. uh, let's move further down the body. Smelly feet. My brothers. Oh, yeah. oh my brothers. Sorry, chaps. Um, in the, and in their in their teens, particularly boys seem to have particularly stinky feet. Uh, but what? That's you know that there could be a number of reasons for that. But what about people who wash their feet obsessively, um, and their tackies are never out of the washing machine, but still their feet absolutely pong? Why? Yeah. So, so the thing with smelly feet is that they 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 they're mostly caused by what we call hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating of the feet. Um, so your feet don't really smell just by themselves. For example, if you were to walk around barefoot all day long, your feet won't be smelling. But it's because we have to wear shoes and your your feet are excessively sweaty. And, you know, the skin has also like normal commensal bacteria, which then break down. And when it's mixed with the, uh, with, with the sweat, it, it causes um, a, a sort of smell. So um, we advise people to, you know, use a couple of things. For example, if you wear a pair of shoes today, Give the shoes at least 24 hours before you wear them again. I, uh, my boyfriend's going to kill me for this, but he bought a new pair. <laughs> he, bought, he bought a new pair of tackies the other day, and uh, yeah. and insisted on wearing them without socks. You did, babe, and uh, and. <laughs> And now, not only did his feet smell, and he's, he's, he's probably the cleanest person I know. I mean, maybe a little bit too obsessively clean. Um, but then the, it, we can't get the smell either out of the tackies or, the, uh, or, or off his feet when he wears them. Is this a medical question or do I just need to uh, take them down to the, uh, <laughs> to the local incinerator? No, no, no. So the, the actual shoes can go and get washed. And then they just need to... We, so, so people just need to make sure that their shoes dry out because the problem is, um, like for example, and, and more specifically, guys are more sweaty than females. True. Um, so there will be like excessive sweat that they, they they're just putting out there, and if the shoes don't get enough time to dry out, for example, if you wear them tonight, give them 24 hours until you wear them again. So you can't wear them one day after the other. Probably if you're going to get gym shoes, get two, three pairs of gym shoes so that they get enough time so they can dry out. Yeah. And then also you can use things like using some uh, baby powder on your feet just to ah. try and keep your feet dry. And also it's recommended that you can possibly try using antiperspirant, okay, in your shoes and on your feet too. Oh, interesting. It might help, but it's not guaranteed. And also perhaps wear the socks that your girlfriend bought you for for your birthday. <laughs> that's just... That's just stream under the bus there. Yeah. I did a bit, didn't I? That's my own personal, pr- completely non, non-professional non medical opinion. Um, body odour in general, Dr. Sivu. Um, the dreaded BO. Why do some people smell more than others? And they do. Yeah, and they do. And you know, there's also a medical term for it. It's called bromhydrosis. Say again? It's called bromhydrosis. Bromhydrosis, okay. Uh, yeah, why so why is some people's bromhydrosis more prominent than others? <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's it, so it happens usually more in 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 teenagers and also um, um, also might a lot in in females uh, because of like let's say hormonal changes. Um, so it, it's also caused by excessive sweating, and that causes you know also the the the, the 
the bacteria on the skin to also kind of break down. When it breaks down along with the sweat, then it causes that kind of, you know, odor that people get. Okay. Okay. So that's 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 body odor. Um, Doctor Smith, yeah. we've just had a question in. Um, it says, "Hi, I'm on dialysis and I have terrible flatulence after the treatment. What causes it?" Yeah. So, so it could possibly be related to the diet because dialysis itself is not going to cause flatulence because dialysis requires, or rather, the, the mechanism of it is that it's, it's it's trying to just clean the blood. So it's, it's all like kind of venous venous and arterial because it's using the veins in your body so it's got nothing to do with the gastrointestinal tract at all so they should probably um, take a look at um, the kind of foods that they're eating at the moment because I know um, they probably have kidney issues as well would there I mean is one required to be on a certain diet um, if if you're on dialysis yeah so that's exactly the problem so like it's also one of the causes for um, flatulence and also bad breath for example is the like liver conditions and also kidney conditions, and unfortunately they they forced to eat certain foods, the certain foods that you can't eat because your kidneys aren't functioning as well. Mm. Uh, but if you just consult their doctor and just figure out in terms of what they can change and also possibly have a dietary plan. Okay, fabulous. There you go, anonymous. It's not actually the dialysis that's causing it, uh, says uh, Dr. Sivu. But, but have a look at your at your diet. Um, number seven yeah. on our list of uh, most embarrassing illnesses, our top ten uh, most embarrassing illnesses, uh, is acne, and it's par for the course when you're a teenager. Some people have a really tough time with it, um, but others have no problems during puberty. But then go on to suffer mm. um, as adults. Why is that? Because presumably, when we're suffering as teenagers, it's because our hormones are going rampant and whatnot, isn't it? Yeah, no, that, that's that's specifically it. But also, so one of the biggest causes for acne is it's more genetic than anything else. That's like one of the key factors. So is if it? only your family had acne, yeah, so if your parents had acne, you'll probably also get acne. Um, but, but then also, sometimes you can outgrow it, as, as you're saying, like in terms of um, in, in as a, as a teenager, mm. because of the hormones that are changing, but also in females more specifically, because you also get a lot of hormonal changes during the month. Yeah, and no, females indeed. will notice that. Yeah, they they also get um, a lot of breakouts, etc. That's because of the hormones in the body. So if it's if it's genetic, um, Doctor Savu, then is there anything that that people who let's say their parents their parents suffered, is there anything they can do to then prevent it when puberty comes around for them, or is it something they just have to sort of grit their teeth and, and get through? No, look, there's a lot of stuff that people can do in terms of you know trying to prevent acne, but it's well, from from my personal perspective, I mean. Um, during puberty, kids outgrow it, rather teenagers will eventually outgrow the active stage of their lives. However, then if, if they really, 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 really want to get medical treatment, they should consult a dermatologist. They can put them possibly on antibiotics because part of it is, is also because you've got um, commensal bacteria, which is bacteria that's normally on the skin, which also part of it breaks down and also around the areas where we have a lot of hair in our body. For example, your shoulders, your back, and your face, um, you usually get breakouts from that. So they get put on treatment. Um, for example, um, they're saying doxycycline, which is an antibiotic, um, and also um, some hydroxide. Okay, okay. Is there anything to be said for sort of um, homeopathic remedies or uh, or, or non non uh, sort of 
want to say traditional, but that doesn't make sense. You know, to, so, sort of not but stuff that you wouldn't necessarily get from your doctor. Maybe, maybe something your grandmother's cooked up in the back garden if she was anything like mine. Yeah, look, possibly like a lot of remedies. People use a lot of remedies for that. For example, when I was young, mom decided that because um, I had really bad breakouts. Right. So we started um, like washing my face with milk. Wow. Uh, it didn't quite help a lot. <laughs> ah. But yeah, a lot of people have like their own remedies. But uh, people are advised though to to just stay away from fatty foods um, and extremely processed carbohydrates. For example, if, if you're a young kid suffering from acne, don't eat pizza every night. True. Uh, or, or, or hamburgers. Um, you know, try to keep your diet clean and healthy. Was it the milk debacle, uh, Dr. Sivu, that persuaded you to, to <laughs> pursue a career in medicine? <laughs> No, no, it wasn't that. Could have possibly been the milk or the eggs. Yeah, but we had a lot of experience in our house. Wow, that's fabulous. I love your mother already. Um, number <laughs> number eight on our list is incontinence, which uh, I know is often associated with, with the elderly, but very common, uh, particularly in women over 40, I gather, and certainly uh, potentially yeah. very embarrassing. Yeah, no, it is. So also incontinence is it's, it's a very stressful situation, actually, because... It, it 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 comes with a lot of um, comes with a lot of problems. So people get different types of incontinence. So there's uh, something called stress incontinence, which is, for example, when they um, they they a person will, will will be sitting and then because of the pressure on their bladder when they cough or they sneeze, um, some urine comes out. And then the people that have urge incontinence, which is they get a sudden urge to just go to the toilet, but then they'll eventually make it there. And then there's also something called functional incontinence, where, like, let's say the elderly perhaps um, will have arthritis and they'll try to go to the toilet. By the time they get there, they're unable to, like, unbutton and unzip, and eventually they'll they'll, they'll mess on themselves. So it's quite it's slightly problematic. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And uh, what, uh, what are some of the um, treatments available uh, for that? Yeah, so the most common type of treatment, rather, is, is trying to train people. So it's like, because also part of it can be like a mental kind of issue. So it's like just training people to 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 try and you know control their bladder as as much as they can. And then also we also tell people to, to do Kegel exercises, which is training the pelvic floor, which also strengthens um, like the pelvic floor just before the bladder, because that's where the bladder sits on. Okay, I'm very aware of the pelvic floor, because that that's, <laughs> we we have to do that in Pilates. And she's, and in oh, fact, exactly. yes, and in fact, my teacher says, imagine that you're uh, you're going for a wee, and then you need to stop. And that's apparently, yeah. <laughs> that's apparently doing doing me the world of good uh, when it comes to uh, strengthening, no, my, strengthening my pelvic it floor. It does completely, yeah. But also, there's also like lifestyle changes that people need to do. For example, altering the, the amount of fluid they take. So if if they know that this is a problem, then we just advise them to alter. For example, just reduce the amount of fluid that they take in daily. I'm joined on the line by Dr. Sivugile Madikana, and we're talking about uh, the top ten most embarrassing illnesses, and uh, and hopefully uh, making them less embarrassing just by by talking about them and putting them out there. Joining me on the line now is uh, Dr. Sivugile Madikana, and we're talking about the top ten most embarrassing illnesses. And if I suddenly become a little uh, shy and retiring, it's because my next guests have just wandered into the studio, three rather attractive young men, and I've now got to talk about thrush. This is not how I imagined my my 
my career panning out, I'm going to be honest to you, uh, with you. Uh, Dr. Sivu, let's, uh, we're at number eight on our, I can feel that I'm blushing. We're at number, we're at number nine, sorry, number nine on our list of the top ten most embarrassing illnesses. And uh, thrush, a delightful songbird, but a rather irritating and potentially very embarrassing condition in your nether regions. What is it? Why do we get it? And more importantly, how do we get rid of it? Yeah, and it's very itchy and very cheesy also. Very? Very itchy and very cheesy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so thrush is literally just, it's, it's a yeast infection, um, or rather fungal infection as well. Um, and, you know, we treat it by using um, topical creams. Um, if you go to a doctor, and we can also use pessaries. So, but it's, it's, it's literally just an infection. And, you know, you've got thrush, you've got like a very um, um, itchy area around the vagina. And, and also it's, it's like cheese-like whitish stuff that's in the area. Good. I, I'd love to move on. Uh, erectile dysfunction is number t- is number ten, and we spoke about it the last time that you joined us, uh, Doctor Sivu. So just give yeah. us um, give us a quick refresher course, if you will. No, so erectile dysfunction is something that um, have we lost, Doctor Sivu? At that point, we've lost Doctor Sivu. Erectile dysfunction. Okay, go. Erectile dysfunction. Yes, yeah, so I was saying erectile dysfunction. So it's, it's caused by a number of things. For example, uh, hormonal problems, maybe previous surgery as well, but more importantly by um, things such as high blood pressure. Um, and, and high cholesterol and also possibly diabetes that will cause erectile dysfunction. And also psychological things such as depression and also anxiety. Remember the last time we spoke about that, um, so sometimes the causes are not even just physical, it's more of a mental and cognitive problem. So there is help out there, and and I remember you talking about this last time about the the emotional, uh, the emotional and psychological uh, link to erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Um, and so, and it can affect anybody of, of any age, can't it? It's not just we we may think perhaps it's, it's elderly gentlemen, but it can affect uh, can affect. Yeah, it can, uh, it can affect anyone of any age, but okay. more specifically, it's usually people that are way older, though. Okay, sure. Yeah. Doctor Savu. I have to say goodbye to you and it breaks my heart because every time we do this, I enjoy it more and more. The last three minutes have been slightly tough. I'm not going to lie to you. They, they have been difficult, uh, but, that, but informative as always. And thank you so much. And, uh, and last time I asked if you would come back and you did. And I'm going to demand that you come back next time because I know that you are the gentleman that you are, is that you will come back and give us some of your bedside manner. No, no, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome.